0: Today, we continue looking at some practical considerations regarding the kingdom of God on earth, which is the church of the living God. Yesterday, we began discussing the fact that the kingdom of God was at hand in Jesus' day, which meant that it was here and near. And today, it is still here and near to us. We're not waiting on some future kingdom. We are living in the kingdom today. In today's portion of the message, we look at a couple of rules of the kingdom. He tells us we must repent and believe the gospel. The world gets this backwards. They speak of repenting and believing the gospel in order to get born again. But in the kingdom of God, it's only those who are regenerated that can participate. And those who are already born again should repent, that is, have a change of mind toward themselves and the world and their worldview, and believe the gospel, the good news. Only by believing the gospel can we participate fully in this glorious kingdom of God on earth. Join us as we conclude the message from yesterday about the kingdom of God being at hand. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Comfort my people, Savior God Listen, I enjoy my job. I enjoy what I do in the secular world to make a living. I do. I enjoy it to a certain extent. But there are aspects of that job that take me away from the focus upon the kingdom. When I'm having to spend time with it, I don't have time to spend in the word of God. And I don't have time to spend in the kingdom. And there are times when I get outright angry about it and and i and i can as much as on the it's a love-hate relationship with my job everybody i realize if a man won't work neither shall he eat you have to work i get that but our job ought not be our priority when you're at your job do your job do it because we'll talk about that if the lord blesses us to keep on this line of work you know work is not about you it's not about your employer it's not about your money that you're making it's about serving the lord we're told, when, if we're servants, serve the Lord. Do, it, do the right thing to our masters. If you've got an unjust master, if you've got somebody who's not, not easy to work for, do, work for them, do the right thing, do it diligently anyway, because you're really doing it for God, not them. You see? But I tell you, I get this. There, sometimes I hate my job because I can't it takes me away from the kingdom of God. Notice in verse 25, he begins to talk about some of these things here. He says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? (laughs) There have been times in my life where I've worked desperately to make enough money to get by, and as I look back on it, the Lord blessed me anyway. I didn't think we were going to make it, and the Lord blessed me. I'm not saying, I understand, there, there are struggles we have sometimes. There have been times in my life where, where we had to rely upon the help of others to get by, and that's okay. There are times in your life you may have to do it, but the bottom line is, here we're talking about... We're talking about food and drink, okay? Food and nourishment, the nourishment that's necessary for life, okay? He said, even when it comes to that, don't make that a priority over the kingdom of God. I and mean, that's why we work. That's why we're out there working so we can have enough money to buy food and, to, and, and drink so that we can nourish our bodies and, and not starve to death. But he said, behold, the fowls of the air. God takes care of them. He's going to take care of you. But he said, the fowls of the air, the Lord is feeding them. Are you not much better than they? Does God not love you more than he loved the birds? He didn't come here to die for the birds. He came here to die for you. (laughs) He loves you. His creation is good, but he loves you. You, child of God, are his inheritance. The Lord's portion is his people. And Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. You know what that means? I, I can't even, it almost blows my mind. He, want, he is in heaven today, seated at the right hand of the Father. But he's not satisfied. And will not be satisfied until every single one of his children is home. We fear death. I do. I hate death. It, 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 it just, I, I hate it. I just hate it. And I suffer when someone dies. I, I miss them. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sad and mourn when someone dies. But the truth is, you know what God's doing when they die? When one of his children dies and comes? He's, he's, he's happy. He's, he's, praise God, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And, and see, we don't have an eternal view, so we can't buy into that. We can't understand that except by faith. And we struggle with that. But someone, someone who dies, our loved ones who die, who are children of God, have gone to be to a place they would not come back from. I, I, I've always felt sorry for Lazarus. Poor old Lazarus. I think he got the worst deal in the whole history of the world. <laughs> Lazarus dies and goes to heaven. <laughs> and then four days later, Lazarus, come forth. I don't, I don't believe you protest in heaven. I don't know, but I mean, I'm thinking in, at it in human terms. My thought would be, no, Lord, what do you do? Wait, I don't want to come back. <laughs> he, he came back in the same body that he died in. You know, I think that's one of the reasons the Lord at the, wept at the, at the tomb. He was not weeping just, he was identifying with their grief, and he identifies with our grief, certainly. But, but. I tell you, we're told, let me just say this, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit trail, but anytime I think about Lazarus, I think about what it says that Jesus did at the tomb. And I get chills, and sometimes I I have to weep a little myself. When he stood at the tomb of Lazarus, we're told he groaned in his spirit. Now that, that word groan there literally means he was angry, it's like a snort of anger. Why would he be angry? at the tomb but you know let me let me just say this have you ever gotten angry when somebody died that you loved i do i have that's you know a lot of times my initial reaction i'll never forget when sherry's grandmother was we, we could tell the time was short and we just lost her mother a few years earlier and had been at her side when she died and now we were going to be at granny guy's side and 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 you could tell it. and and i remember looking at that dear lady laying there and i felt the same feeling i believe the lord felt i just said here we go again. If it hadn't happened to you lately, it's going to happen to you again before too long. You're going to be at the side of a loved one. And I don't know about you, but you're going to be angry. Here we go again. Oh, just groaning. Jesus groaned in anger. You know why? Because he was on the battle. It's like he was on the battlefield and facing his enemy across the way. And you know, um, we, we, we identify better, I think, here in, this, in, in the South, at least, with football. <laughs> so um, there was a football game last night where the two coaches had had a lot of words back and forth in the past few weeks, and I found it interesting that uh, there wasn't a whole lot of love, apparently, between the two as they shook hands before and after the game. In fact, I read about one that involved a coach here in alabama where they got in a pushing and shoving match after the game (laughs) the coaches not the not the students you see you know why because they were enemies they were enemies they jesus had come face to face with the great enemy of god's people death prevails to this day in this life death is the one thing that nobody can get out of. It will come upon us one day if the Lord doesn't return. But see, what Jesus has done is He has slain death. And He was there in that day before He went to the cross, uh, standing there at the tomb of His friend, and He snorted or groaned in anger, facing His enemy across the battlefield. There was no mutual respect. There was no love lost. Jesus hates death. And he hated it as he stood there, and he hated it so much that he stormed the gates of death and the depths of hell to put it to death on our behalf. Jesus says here, he came to establish a kingdom that ought to be our priority. Notice here the food and drink, the nourishment necessary for life, as important as that is, the kingdom of God ought to be a priority over that. Verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Now, this is talking about physical stature, but we can talk about social stature. We can talk about stature within our employment. You know, we're always posturing, right? We're always trying to advance. We're always trying to seek a way up the ladder of success. Jesus says, you can't add one inch to your height physically, and ultimately all of the things in life that, that go towards your stature ought to take a second seat to the kingdom of God. Verse 28, why take ye thought for raiment? Here's the stuff we wear, the clothes we wear. You might expand that out to our homes and our vehicles, our, our stuff. Look at it. Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. You know Solomon was the gold standard in that day, probably still to this day. Solomon had it all. Solomon had everything physically, materially that you could think about. He had, you know, parties, wine. He had women. He had a thousand concubines or and wives combined. He had all of these things. That, you know, if he you know how we like to sometimes go to a concert? Now we put DVDs in, or now I guess we stream them. But you want to go to a concert? The concert came to Solomon. If he wanted, if he wanted some of, the, some of the, the best group in the land, he would bring them to his, to, to his uh, palace and before his court. But he said, Even Solomon was not arrayed like these lilies. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? See, all this other stuff, all the stuff of life should take second fiddle, should play second fiddle to the kingdom of God. He said, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. I've been guilty of questioning God. God... Where are you? God, why? Why is this happening? What? Don't you know I need this? He knows. He knows. He says, instead of making that your priority, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And just in case you're anxious for tomorrow, take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Deal with what's before you today and trust God for the rest. Tomorrow is a check that may never be cashed. Yesterday is already spent. Today is all we have. Just deal with it today and don't worry about Now listen, you think I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. <laughs> That's the one place particularly I struggle with is worrying about tomorrow. The kingdom of God. Now he tells us in one place the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. And when a man finds it, he hides it or, and for joy. He goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Jesus thought enough of the kingdom of God that he came down to this earth, left his throne of glory, became a man like unto us except without sin, and died for the kingdom ought the kingdom not be our priority and you see as i said there's more to the kingdom than just the church it's important that you be here it's important i mean if if the lord was willing to come down and to to become a man and to die for us surely we could give him one day a week you see but even beyond that it's not just one day a week it's every day And he tells us that our commitment to the kingdom is not automatic. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 16, he says that uh, the, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. Now, that pressing into it is not pressing against other people. It's pressing against yourself and your own nature. There may be times, I guess, when other people could could somehow try to keep you out of the kingdom. But you ought to press in anyway. And that means to press violently, to force your way into. Remember what we said about this being a different kind of kingdom with different kinds of rules? Well, here are the rules. Going back to Mark. Here are the rules. He says, the time is fulfilled, verse 15, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now listen, repent ye and believe the gospel. <laughs> that's the two primary rules. There's, there's a couple of corollaries found over in, over in Matthew where he talks about the great commandment being to love God and the, the one that's second, like unto it, is love your neighbors yourself. But notice he says, repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, I understand that the world teaches that out of order. They believe you've got to repent and believe the gospel to get born again. Beloved, he's not preaching to unborn again people here. He's talking to those who have been born again, those who have been given repentance in the new birth in the sense that they now have a new nature that has a different state of mind towards the world. And he's saying every day we ought to repent and believe the gospel. Notice, repent just means a change of mind, a change of worldview. And it was radically different from the the worldview of that day. And it was a a view that didn't have anything to do with a political kingdom, and it had nothing to do with advancement in the world. It was a different way of viewing yourself in the world and your experience with God. God has now come near, and that means you have access as a child of God to that kingdom. The world gets it backward. They say repent and believe in order to get born again. But the true message is repent and believe because you've been born again. And because you've been born again, you are near to this kingdom of God on earth. And then he says, believe the gospel. Believe, the trust the good news. Let me just say this. If your idea of Christianity is not good news, <laughs> it's the wrong idea. But see, the true Underpinning of this kingdom is the good news that the king has come to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus the King is here, which is proof that He will always be here and near us. And by the way, even if you walk away, even if you, child of God, walk away, the good news is that his kingdom is still here and near to you. And that means he is still here and near to you. And you are never far from him. You say, well, preacher, I've I've gone too far away. I kind of doubt you've ever been farther than Peter was. I kind of doubt you've ever gone that far. But even if you have, where did Peter go? He came back. (laughs) You know why? Because as a child of God, the kingdom of God was here and near to him. See, the kingdom of God, is, it's like a banquet table. You can get as much or as little as you want. You know, if you stay at the table and you, nour- you eat more and more, the more nourishment you'll have, you'll be a child of God. You'll be in heaven if you stay away. But the more near you are to God, the more near he will feel to you. That's a little different than the religious world's philosophies, isn't it? That's that's a little different. That's that's why the Thessalonian Jews in Acts chapter 17 dragged those apostles before the authorities and said they were turning the world upside down. Beloved, that was a true accusation. They really were turning the world upside down and that's because that's exactly what the gospel and the kingdom of God does. Let, Let me just leave you with this thought. Think about this. The Roman Empire that they wanted overthrown so badly. The yoke of Rome was oppressive, it was burdensome, and especially after Christ came and this new sect of Judaism, is the way they looked at it, called Christianity came, and they began to persecute them and, and, and they were just the off scouring of the earth. They, they were the lowest of the low. Nero took Christians and put them in baskets and set them on fire in his garden to light his garden. They were the worst of the worst. Where is Rome today? The Roman Empire fell. This kingdom destroyed it. How did, how did Christ, Christianity is still here today? The kingdom of God is still here today. The kingdom of Nero has, has fallen. How did they do it? There was no battle. There was no war. But you know, just for one example, one example. When the plagues, you know, plagues were all time coming around in that day. You know what happened when the plagues came? The Romans abandoned their sick. They abandoned their loved ones and left the cities. Guess who stayed? It was these little Christians. It was these that adhered to the principles of the kingdom of God. They stayed, and they took care of those that had abused them and had beaten them and had had persecuted them. You see, it's a different kind of kingdom. It's with different kind of rules. We're going to come back to this as the Lord being our helper because these are rules of the kingdom that will help us every day and we take it wherever we are. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com.